Welcome to the Creative College Journey Podcast, the place to help raise awareness on the many pathways to a creative life and education and how college might be a part of it. Because it's not where you go to school, but how you go to school that counts. Hosted by professional creative and college expert, Scott Barnhart, who is chatting with a variety of guests who have some amazing lived experiences from different universities, majors, and creative industry interests. And we hope by hearing their stories, it might help give you some inspiration to find your own creative college journey. When I started the idea of this podcast, this next guest was the first name that came to mind, whose story that I find through academia is one that I hope everyone can hear. And I'm thrilled to have this conversation with them now, Adam Castrion. He is a 2020 graduate of the Orange County School of the Arts in the Musical Theater Conservatory, and I had the privilege to be his director from his sophomore through senior years at OSHA. He is currently getting his BA in drama at University of California, Irvine, by the way of two years at Irvine Valley College. As of this recording, he is currently starring as Man in Chair at Vanguard University's production of The Drowsy Chaperone. Adam was born in New York, but raised here in California, and like any good New Yorker, he plans on hightailing it back to NYC as soon as he finishes his degree, which he anticipates getting in the spring of 2024. During my time at OSHA, there was rarely a moment that he was not in some kind of production, including The Drowsy Chaperone, Mystery of Edwin Drood, 9 to 5, Sweet Charity. He played Andy in Shana Taub's As You Like It, and one he was one of our incredible actors who was in our virtual production of Now Hear This that was shut down during the pandemic, but by mid-May we had produced basically a full-length shot-from-quarantine film. On a personal note, Adam is a quintessential theater student. Follow his Instagram, and you will find the most up-to-date, insightful, and thorough opinions about what is current in the theater scene. Because not only is he an immensely talented performer, he also has one of the most in-depth dramaturgical knowledge bases of anyone I know. And with that, we welcome to the podcast, Adam Castrione. Hey, Adam! Hello! Ah, it's so good to see you. I'm really excited to, to have this conversation with you today. It's good to see you too. I'm happy to be here. So let's just like hop into it. I'd love a quick update of where you are, how you're doing, and maybe a little insight of how you currently identify creatively and how that relates to your life as a drama major at UCI. Okay. Currently, right now, like you said, I'm a drama major at UCI. I'm in my third year, but I just transferred in. So it's technically my first year at the campus. Creatively, I'm in a hot spot right now, and I feel very motivated. I feel very inspired, and that was following a long period of of being in the doldrums for me. So I'm I'm feel like I'm moving up the ladder, so to speak, and like I'm in a good place right now. <laughs> I love that. That's 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 dreamy. That's the good stuff. I'd love to sort of talk about you know we're talking about college admissions and we're talking about the path, and I know yours has not necessarily been the traditional four year path, so. I'd love to just sort of open it up and sort of hear what was your path from senior year of high school into what sort of determined your decisions, what helped you with your decision making and the institutions that you've been to along the way. So after graduating, obviously, it was the pandemic era. I really wanted to go East Coast right away after school and enter into theater programs and get where I wanted to go as soon as possible. And that just wasn't in the cards for me at that time, especially with the beginning of quarantine and just with everything happening everywhere all the time. 
And so rather than going straight East Coast, not that I would have anyway, because everything was closed. I went, <laughs> I went into, uh, I started online classes at Irma Valley College, the community college, which ended up being a really fantastic decision because I was getting all of my GEs done for free from the comfort of my bedroom. And I know a lot of people who went right into university got hit with that tuition bill and were taking the same classes that I was and not being where they wanted to be. So I guess it was kind of the best thing to make out of the crappy situation that we were all in together. So uh, as I was figured, I'd get my priorities straight, get those GEs out of the way, get on my way to just getting to a good place where I can get a degree. I started taking the theater classes at Urban Valley College, and um, I, I knew I didn't want to stay there forever. I still really wanted to go to a university and get a degree. Um, if not for the program or the education, at least to make connections, higher education is important to me personally. So I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and that going to Urban Valley College was a stepping stone to getting into a university program. I was antsy, I was anxious, and I wanted to get out as soon as possible. So after my first year only, uh, I started applying to upgrade schools to transfer, which ended up being not a mistake, not a regret, but maybe a little impulsive. So what I, what I learned from that, uh, I decided to cast a small net because I was in the mindset that if it wasn't a top program, then I didn't want to go to it. This is also following over a year or uh, yeah, about a year of not being in the arts because everything was closed. Some ambitions that perhaps at the time superseded my actual abilities. But uh, I decided to cast a small net of only like really good programs on the East Coast. And needless to say, I didn't get any callbacks at all. It was the rush process. It was very stressful. It was very impulsive. And it was very upsetting at the time as well. And I had done this after only one year, which most programs will only accept after two years with 60 credits and enough to transfer. So it was really just a long shot anyway. But I wanted to go for it because I felt that I, that my time was fleeting in the moment and that it was just something that I had to do. That did not work out, obviously. Uh, so I did another year at IBC and they have a transfer admission guarantee program with UC Irvine, which is what I ended up utilizing and they essentially transferred into UCI without needing to send in an official application. It was more formality. If I did XYZ at IBC, the courses would transfer to UCI and I would transfer in as a junior in the drama program to obtain a BA in 2024. So that ended up being a major blessing in disguise. I, I, I admittedly, my time at IBC was extremely difficult. Uh, I'm not going to say it was an easy process. I'm not going to say it was always a fun process. And I'm still struggling, you know, trying to keep all my ducks in a row at UCI. Um, this college is hard, guys. It's it's bureaucratic, right? It's there's there are boxes to check, there are things to accomplish, and colleges are really good at noticing when those boxes aren't checked, and you know, truly halting you. Yes, uh, it's it's difficult. It is so much more bureaucratic than I think people presume going into it. I agree. And I also think something that caught me off guard was how much I'm learning about myself versus just learning education in general. Like, obviously, there isn't like you, you go, you take classes, you learn about your art, but I didn't realize how much growth I was recognizing in myself, either forward growth, backwards growth, until yeah. I'm right in the thick of it. And I think that's been the most eye opening and rewarding part of this whole process is that it's not so much the material that you cover externally, but also internally. 
that matters. And in that lens, all of a sudden, your options multiply. Truly, if it is about if it is about the the act of uh, I would almost frame it as like growing up and the the act of learning about oneself that can I think there are more optimum places than others. But I do think it's not just about the four elite schools. It's actually that it is a much wider net if if that is ultimately the takeaway. One hundred percent. I mean, everyone always says it's not the program you go to, it's what you do with the program. And that is true because a good program will get you good training. Yes, but there are people all over the place who have done who have done what you want to do. And so it's really about the connections you made. Had I not ended up at UCI, that I wouldn't have been in the production I'm part of currently. That is really like something that I wake up looking forward to going to. And I'm making a connection with a local professional director. I'm meeting people from all the places that I want to be from. Um, Not to mention by staying at a local school, I'm living at home and commuting. I'm saving literally tens of thousands of dollars a year. My education at IBC was covered by a Cal Grant, so I went for free. And my UCI education is being covered mostly by a Cal Grant. And whatever I have to pay out of pocket, I luckily have saved up enough that I am going to graduate debt free. I dance every time I hear this. You're going to hear a thread in these podcast episodes. I'm bringing a lot of people who are saying the exact same thing, that they are walking away from their undergraduate degree without debt. And what I'm so adamant about, especially for creatives, is that that gives you freedom. That gives you opportunity. That gives you the chance to go after the art form, which is ultimately the larger goal beyond just getting the degree. And I'm, I'm, I celebrate that all day, every day. It's amazing. I mean, I could have gone to an East Coast program and spent the $60,000 a year and been in dorms. But as we all know, this is not an immediately or guaranteed rewarding profession. So to graduate with so much, like I would rather have stayed home, saved up the money and put down a down payment for rent on an apartment than go to an East Coast school and spend that money on a program or in a dorm and then not have anything to hold me over for when I actually get out of the program. And so now I have that pillow to carry me for a little bit once I do end up getting to where I want to go, hopefully going to New York, going to Chicago, going to London, wherever it may be, or even Los Angeles. So luckily I will graduate debt free and I will have all that I saved for college in the event that I didn't get any grant will be able to take me wherever I need to go for X amount of time. And that is, I think, personally, a more rewarding feeling than going to an institution that I wanted to go to three years ago. We'll be right back. Hey, are you the proud parent of a high school junior or sophomore who is also an aspiring artist or creative? Do you worry that maybe your child's artistic passion might hinder their chances at getting into a dream college? Look no further than the Creative College Journey. This is a service designed to help guide your child through the college application process. We understand the unique challenges that come with being an artistic applicant, and we are dedicated to ensuring that your child's application stands out from the rest. From portfolio review to essay editing and understanding the ins and outs of pre-screens, we offer a range of personalized services to suit your child's needs. 
Now, don't let the college application process overwhelm you and your child. Feel free to sign up for the Creative College journey today and take the first steps towards a successful artistic future. Visit our website, www.creativecollegejourney.com to learn more and start your journey today. And that's and that's just it. And I, and I love hearing, again, so much of this time, and I think it is really precious time, this like 18 to 22 age range for a creative, for an actor, for someone who wants to go into a creative field or performing arts field. This is the time to actually really understand your goals. This is the time to really suss them out and you know, permission to not pin all of the goals on the decisions of a, of a 17 year old. They, they're allowed to change and develop and um, mature. And it sounds like in your case, they really have in many, many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's really about prioritizing. And I don't think I had a, a proper gauge on that when I was 17, even 18 and 19, when I was going through all of this. And now I'm 20, it's only a year later, but I feel like in that year, like I have recognized the most growth than I have in the past four years. Um, and that's exciting, honestly. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty exciting to be able to look at that and just evaluate like my decisions, where it's gotten me in, and recognize that even though where I am might not be where I want to be in the long run, that I'm still in a good place. And it's just one more step towards your ultimate goals, right? It it doesn't keep you from those larger goals. It's it's just one more stepping stone on the path. Exactly. Yes. So I'm curious about your your time at at maybe both uh, IVC or UCI. What are the the classes that are lighting you up? What's some of that information that you've you've already taken that's maybe helped you figure out some of these goals or is is there anything that's just been like burning at you that you've really enjoyed in terms of curriculum or classes? Yeah, uh, something that I never explored before, but found myself enjoying so much that I've taken it because it's my third time taking it is um, costume production classes. It was nothing that really inspired interest in me for the longest time because I, as an observer of theater, I always appreciated it, but I never tried it. Going to IBC, especially getting those credits for transfer, I had to take all of the backstage and technical courses. And the one that I enjoyed the most was costume production. And so much so that when I transferred to UCI, I took a costume production course last quarter. I'm taking one this quarter. I would like to take one next quarter as well. And just like, as long as I need production units, I really enjoy creating costumes. Now I know how to sew, which is not only a skill I can use professionally, but at home. So if I buy a pair of pants that's too big, I can fit it to myself now, which is, it opens a lot of windows, especially because I, finding 2932 pants is real hard in the store. You got to find those life hacks where and where and how you can. You have to. Exactly. Um, Only has that given me a new skill, but it's also opened up an entire world of opportunities for me in that if an acting career doesn't go the way I want, or if I find that I'm in a, a dry spell, in that sense, I have a place to go to, which is costumes, creating them or being a dresser, because I've done both now. I've worked on productions where I, you know, run backstage, helping quick changes, dressing people, or actually building costumes myself. I would yeah. say I would even like to take it a step further and try a hand at costume design. That's what I haven't done yet, but I, I feel like that's just waiting to happen. And I, I still think that my, my main goals are on stage. I still want to be an actor. I want to be a performer. But it's good to know that there are options outside of that, which I think 
a lot of people don't realize until they get further into their education that being on stage isn't the only thing that's worth shooting for. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would even say it's, you know, even if you look at any really successful actor, um, if they get to a particular height of success or fame, and again, that's all subjective, but they get to a some form of renown. The actors who have longevity have continual rebirth, are continually finding new avenues towards how to express their creativity. I mean, I don't know any Broadway stars who are just Broadway stars. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's sort of starting to find where are those overlaps? Where are the spaces that come together that make someone really unique and all of a sudden they can be hireable in another lane or they can be hireable in a, in a new sort of field that can then support their acting? I think I grew up in an era where it was Broadway or bust. It was you were an actor or you were something else. And I really think with your generation, it's a new paradigm where it's and. You can be a costume designer and an actor. You can be an entrepreneur and an actor. Like they can actually go in tandem in in new ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and similar to that, I see names that I watched on Broadway doing little reviews of Los Angeles and vice versa. And it's just the the scope has grown so much. And I think people are recognizing like regional productions as having the same abilities as Broadway. It's just where it is. And so it's yeah. not the only thing in the world now. And it, 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 if that's what you want to do, that's great. That's what I want to do. I still want to go to New York and turn my hand there. But if that's, if, if life takes me on a national tour instead, or it takes me up the streets of Los Angeles to a playhouse, I, the, as long as you're doing the art, as long as you're making that connection, that's what matters. And that's what matters to me. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like to, to belabor the point, it's exactly what you've learned in these last three years Absolutely. is that it, it is just about doing the art where you're at and your path to get better. Your, your job is to just get better and to acquire more knowledge, which is why I love college. I think colleges are an amazing, uh, amazing fertile ground for artists. I think it's a great place to fail forward. I think it's a great place to learn, to network. But it's not the only place and it's not the end all be all. So it's it's finding that balance. And you've you've done beautifully by that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it seems like I think there's a, a conception or maybe a misconception that if you're not at a quote unquote elite program, that there aren't performance opportunities or that you, you're you're going to spend all of your life in a classroom and. It seems like your journey, you've been able to find a fair amount of performance opportunities. Can you talk us through what, how, and again, barring the pandemic, like we can acknowledge that first year in college, uh, everything was quiet because of the nature of the pandemic. But how have you been able to find uh, performance opportunities along the way to sort of stoke those fires? Um, yeah, that's actually an interesting question because I think this is another instance where my pet delineates from Ray the Norm. Um, this is so the Drowsy Chaperone right now um, is actually my first show since I did Fame in November 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, this is part of the journey that's not all peaches and cream. And. <laughs> Um, 
And there's some context as to why. And I guess I can launch into that a little bit. But even before fame, like there, even during the pandemic, like you, I think with your help, of course, start with now hear this and like other programs kind of modeling the, the streaming musical. Um, there, a lot of us like found a way to still like express creatively. And even in my early days at IDC, like the first year, um, I was cast as David in Bullets Over Broadway. Um, it's going to be my first like principal role. I was so excited. We went to one rehearsal on Zoom and then we never met again. And it was canceled because everyone thought we were going to be done with the pandemic after a couple months. And that just wasn't the case. But then that turned into an on- a virtual cabaret. Um, and I did a couple of, of you know, uh, at home things. And, and that's exciting because you're still finding a way to be creative from your house and share it with people. The internet is amazing. For that, then once things finally started to slowly reopen, um, I did same at IBC, and it was my first time being in a show since now here this over a year before, and it was very exciting. I was playing Nick Piazza. Um, I have to say, it was not a perfect experience. IBC was very pivotal in my life in that it got me to where I am right now. Um, I did learn a lot, mostly about technical theater. My experiences, um, as I learned a lot, but it was difficult it was hard i i then i like i said i that was the last show i did until now and there's a few reasons for that one of them being that uh in order to transfer uh for the degree that i was getting and an associate's degree in the arts for transfer i needed to get a technical theater credits under my belt and because theaters were closed for a year and Irvine valley wasn't producing shows for a year I only had one semester to get all the credits that I needed now that we were back. So what that looked like for me was I was taking a stage management course. I was taking a costuming course and I was taking an audio and visual design course. This was at the same time, all at the same time. This was in the spring, late the winter and spring of 2022. So that was, we were doing two productions. We were doing Oliver. That was started rehearsing in January and ran in April. And we were doing Much Ado About Nothing that started also rehearsing in January, but didn't run until mid-May, which is a very long time to be seated in one production that rehearses five days a week. I was the assistant stage manager for Much To Do About Nothing. I was costumes and audio visual for Oliver, which both were in the works for five months, five days a week. Is 15 hours of rehearsal a week. And I'm also a full-time student. And I'm also, I also had a job that I would work five shifts a week. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was an absolute nightmare. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, I would get out of, I would get up in the morning and leave at eight to go to work. I'd go to class. I'd go to rehearsal. I wouldn't, I would have maybe 30 minutes of break total throughout the day just to eat something really fast and go to the next thing. Rehearsal would get out. I would sit in my car, cry for five minutes, and then drive home and repeat the next day. <laughs> um, for five months. Yeah. For five for months. five whole months. And so that happened. And I I think when it, looking back, that there were there were silver linings, I, which didn't seem so at the time. No, it was. I needed to take a break. I needed to take a step back. And so I... I had done a lot of work backstage and it was great. I realized after all these experiences, after five months of just pulling out gray hairs every now and then, <laughs> and just, 
Um, I needed to take a step back and I needed to remind myself why I did what I did. And no matter how much I enjoyed stage managing or how much I enjoyed building costumes, I constantly found myself wanting to be on the other side of the table, wanting to be on stage and, and making these connections with audiences. Um, but I, I was so disappointed by my experience there that I really needed to just take a, a break. Um, and I needed to be an observer of theater and like see shows and remind myself why I enjoyed it. So, um, that's what I did. I saw over 50 shows last year, just primarily in, in New York and London. Uh, and it was very redeeming to go to a show, but not have to put any effort into making it happen. Um, and to see so many live performances. So, I, I mean, I saw a lot of the greats, uh, like over the summer, Patty LaPone, Amy Adams, Billy Crystal. Like, I just, I saw so many people who I have wanted to emulate in my career and like who I look up to as performers. And it was a good reminder of why I do it. I think a lot of times when we want something so much, uh, that's both a passion and a career we lose sight of the passion part of it. And and I needed a reminder of why I enjoy it and why it was fun and what that connection was that I initially did theater for in order to achieve. Um, and in order to do that, I needed to be an audience member. I needed to just be an audience member and just enjoy it. And so by the time the summer was over and I had had my break and I felt like I was myself again and I felt like I was able to prioritize myself instead of meet the demands of institutions and people and this and that, um, by the time that break was over, I was ready. I was inspired again, and I was ready to do a show again. And that's where I am right now. I just, as someone who's known you as long as I have, I just, you know, my heart aches that anytime we as artists, we have to go through those toxic or dysfunctional workspaces, because I think that really messes with our passion. It really does. It really does take us off course. It, it, puts us in resentment it makes us feel i know hyperbolically i i when i'm in those spaces i feel hyperbolically angry about them because the art form means so much to me or to you in this case but i love and i don't know where and how you learned this but you clearly understand the artist cycle which is is so important to include the input is to sit and be inspired to then go back into the making of something. It has to be balanced. You have to collect inspiration, make things from that inspiration, and then share that inspiration, and then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And you, everything you just described, that, that's exactly it. How conscious were you when you decided, because you were in New York for, a, your Instagram was, <laughs> it was like every day there were, two or three playbill photos coming coming into to the screen um how did you know that how did you know that you needed to go do that or was or did you learn that along the way being from new york all my family's from new york and having just wanted to go into theater and also myself being so up to date on what's new in the theater world um because that's just what i'm interested in what excites me even outside of a career it's just what i'm into i knew that like i Every time I go to New York, like the main thing I want to do is just go see as many shows as I can and just like be exposed to the top, like that, that level of theater. Obviously, like for me, Broadway is the big draw. And then there's also, you know, all your off Broadway and little regional theaters that I, uh, that I've 
surprisingly only more recently started to really look into and like try to see because it's everywhere. I mean, it's not just Broadway, it's everywhere. Because even though theater is everywhere, the, a lot of the shows, a lot of the people that I go to see are limited. Like they, they don't run forever. And so when I go there, I just, I just want to take in as much as I possibly can. And I get to, to talk about it with people. And I, and also as far as my foundation of theater knowledge, like that's all information. <laughs> But instead Orally, of going yes. on the internet, I can be there and I can say I witnessed this part of theater history, <laughs> as large or as small as it might be. So I do. I, that was a big part of it. Is I knew that I needed to get into a positive theater space as soon as possible. I knew that I needed to have this connection again, and I felt that being an observer and having this connection would remind me of why I was doing theater in the first place, which I was starting to lose sight of at this time. And so, yes, yeah. a lot of it was planned. I didn't realize at the time the restorative impact that it would have. I knew that there would be some amount of it because it's, there is no more intimate form of, of storytelling, in my opinion, than going to live theater. And I was like, I need this right now. I need to feel that connection with, with people yeah. who are telling stories that I can relate to. I didn't quite anticipate the scope of it, though. I Just in New York, I saw... 29 productions and then in london i saw 12 and then i also saw over a dozen in california in los angeles community professional local um and it really it, it like reset something in me <laughs> it refilled the well and we need we need to refill and restock that well it's so so important and i'm just gonna like caveat this the fact that you could afford to do it as well, yeah. right? The fact that you could afford to do it. And look, I, I, I know there are student programs. I know there are TKTS. There's, there are ways to get discount tickets, but that, that was an investment in yourself and in you continuing forward. And I, I just, I love hearing a young actor take agency over that aspect of their life, of their, and I would, I would name that even beyond your career. It's just your creative life, your creative fire. That's so important. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a hefty investment. Um, and it was a good learning experience for me as well, especially financially. Um, I had some, I figured I would be able to do this because I had some prospective opportunities that were coming in the fall that would help me recover from it. That ended up not. Uh, materializing all the way. So I find myself that even though that was months ago, there I'm still recovering from it. Um, it was a big investment, but I saved up and I knew that looking back, I wouldn't regret it because that was what was important to me. And that was really, I think, potentially a once in a lifetime experience that I get to say I got to have. And I did everything that I wanted to do. And that was so rewarding to me that even though it cost a lot, I, I will never regret it because these are memories that I have made that will last a lifetime. And I think that's important. Like I, I've always been thrifty and especially with staying at home and saving up that money. I don't need to, I don't buy a lot of clothes. I don't, my, you know, I, I don't buy concert ticket or this and that. Like I save my money so that I can have these meaningful experiences for myself. I always prefer to have an experience than a possession. And so that, that was why I was able to do it. I also hope that I, I worked over the summer. Um, so that my family still lives in New York. And so when I was staying in the city, my cousin has a restaurant, um, in Manhattan and I was able to work during the day and then go to a show at night. And it was just perfect. It worked out so well. <laughs> 
I <laughs> love that. And I, I'll I'll never forget there was there was a exchange we had and you were like, yeah. And by the way, like when I moved to New York, I now have a built-in job. Like right. and the fact that you you've set yourself up to live the life that you want. And you've put really pragmatic thought into it. It's not been perfect. It's not been easy. But you're actually setting yourself up for when you hit 22, you've got those things. You have a clear idea of what you want, and you now have pragmatic tools to get you to get you there. Absolutely. That was one of the reasons that going to college is important for me as well, is because um, not only do I make connections in terms of my career, but I'm also meeting people who want to do the same thing that I want to do. And so when I'm ready to take that next step, I have a whole system of friends, of collaborators who are all going for the same goal and we can support each other along the way. Um, I don't plan to like move to New York and be on my own in an Upper West Side apartment loft and live the high life. I'm probably going to be, you know, in a little matchbox apartment with three or four roommates. But this is where I'm meeting those people. And starting to get those opportunities and figure out what it's going to look like realistically. And that's that's yeah. why I'm doing this. This is the foundation. It's the groundwork. Yep. It's it's it allows you to be eyes wide open going towards your dream. And I think walking towards a dream with blinders and with your eyes shut is is dangerous. It is. And then the fact that you again you've had agency towards it. You're you're really you're very pragmatic and thorough about it, which then tells me as someone who has also walked that walk, someone who has also been, who was a, was once a young version of you, right? Like knowing that you have that clarity right now, I can see so many speed bumps that you're going to naturally avoid. It's not to say that speed bumps aren't coming because they will like welcome to life in the creative field, <laughs> but you have such clarity moving forward and moving towards them. And I'm I'm thrilled about that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, I, even at 20, I feel like I've already been thrown so many curveballs, but all it does is is show you that there's another pathway. Because I mean, I, I haven't been knocked through my purge yet. It's just about learning to adapt and learning to accept. There's so much of this is just accepting your situation as what it is and like work with what you have because like, you can't work against it. Preach, Adam, preach. But it's true because it, the this career that you're after, this this path, it isn't actually about talent. Talent is one small sliver of the equation. It really, truly is more about the resilience and the perseverance. And, and that can only come when you actually practice that sort of like self-care, self-love, self-acceptance. That's huge. Huge. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about finances. I know we've we've touched upon it through this, and I've been asking all of my guests this question. Do you think you overspent, underspent, or did you get it just right? I think I got it just right. Um, yes. I know. <laughs> Which feels so good to say. I think as far as personal expenses, like my little summer extravaganza, like there's maybe a little bit of overspending there, but it's nothing that's going to be, that I think is going to cause permanent damage at all. And luckily, like I have a lot saved. I haven't touched my savings. As far as like my educational expenses and my life expenses, I think I'm getting, I think I'm doing really well for myself. Like I said, my tuition at 
IVC wasn't just free from me, but my grant actually covered more than the tuition. So every semester I would get pocket change that they would just give me. And that would help me cover so much. And then transferring to UCI or my Cal grant, I, I'm not living on campus. So that right there is almost $13,000 a year that I'm not spending. The tuition still comes out to about sixteen to $17,000, but my Cal grant is covering over 13000 of those dollars. Wow. Yes. Well, I said the same thing. And, you know, it was funny because when I first applied for FAFSA uh, in, in June, and I don't recommend doing this, missing the deadline, which I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I was going <laughs> I was about to be like, June? Uh, exactly. I'm pretty sure that's, I'm pretty sure that's not it, but got it. Exactly. So definitely don't do that. But, <laughs> So when I first applied, that first email I got from Fausta said no aid. And I was like, oh my God. But thank goodness I had saved up enough money in my um in my scholar share to cover a full year of tuition in the event that I didn't get aid, which I ended up not needing because three months later I got a renewed aid package that gave me that grant of thirteen thousand dollars. And I was like, lesson learned, count your blessings. That's a huge win. Oh, oh my wow. God. The, um, like, the weight that left my shoulders in that home. So, and then, like I said, I, I had saved up and my savings to cover and still have a pillow. And luckily, the aid package that I got was for both this year and next year. Um, so I know that I'm set and I'll graduate with what, what's left of my savings, which is most of it. Because honestly, I even for the uh, what was left over from my aid that I that wasn't covered by my aid, I tried to draw from my checking and like my my personal money as much as I could rather than my scholarship because I knew that once I graduated, like I'd want that scholarship pillow to carry me wherever I need it. So, you know, it's been trying to find a financial balance and it's not been perfect, but I'd say that I am very fortunately in a good place as far as spending i feel like i'm like on that just right (laughs) yeah and and you know correct me if i'm wrong that means there's been little to no impact on family meaning it sounds like you've been totally or relatively insular i know you're living at home but uh that's probably been a great win for your family as a whole that is correct um my brother and i um kind of put ourselves through college um obviously like uh, yes i'm living at home and my parents are helpful with the car bill with the medical bills with everything because i'm their kid um but (laughs) but um, as far as like going through school that's all been on me this is this is the best path for someone who is putting themselves through school is you want to save as much as you can because it's not just school it's you're also saving for everything that happens after that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Again, I applaud the pragmatic, clear-eyed decisions that you're that you're making. It's right. this is this is to be applauded. I wish more people could could walk through this with again, not trading pragmatism for dreams. Like I feel like it, it's there's sort of this idea of one or the other, but in fact that pragmatism is actually going to uh, stair step you closer to your dreams faster. Is what would be my would be my guess if I were putting money on it. Absolutely. Okay, so I'd love to sort of hear Adam. You're you're such 
and I say this with all the love, you are such a theater nerd. <laughs> you like in every way possible. And I, that's, you know, I say that because I nominate myself as a giant theater nerd as well. So, you know, game sees game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what sort of pathways do you see for yourself? Uh, I think you you have such interesting experiences, both as an actor, having gone to a school of the arts for high school, uh, the fact that you're interested in in costuming, the the fact that you are just like a natural walking dramaturg. What sort of pathways do you imagine for yourself moving forward, both in, you know, pie in the sky dreamscape and and maybe also the more pragmatic options that you're that you're excited that are in front of you? Uh, yeah, I so I definitely see myself pursuing acting before anything else. I do see myself moving to New York straight out of college and, and trying my hand in any capacity over there. Realistically, I think starting out working in like a restaurant or something like like my cousin's restaurant or and probably having roommates. Um, eventually, I would like to go back to school. I would like to go for like either a master's degree or something in either education or dramaturgy, because I think that's part like part of spreading theater isn't just being a part of a production, but like teaching is also a huge opportunity. And like going into dramaturgy will open pathways either in fields of history or in theater, local or professional. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it's something that I would like to happen. Um, but, but I don't think it needs to happen right now, um, especially because as I learned from just by going to UCI is that I those are achievable goals at any institution. And so right now I... I am literally over here just like screaming with joy because it's it's textbook awesome. Yeah. So like right now I'm focusing on getting my drama degree here and that's going to lay the foundational work for my prospective career. And then once I'm over there or once I'm settled down wherever I feel like I'm going to be, then I can go to anywhere, local or not, and, and take that step further while still being in the vicinity of, of my potential goals yeah does that make sense i love that i love that and that actually speaks beautifully to maybe the idea of getting a ba versus a bfa uh, if you if you know you have future goals of grad school one the fact that you don't have any undergraduate debt means you get to choose like your call yeah and two i think the the generalist degree or curriculum with a BA program in many ways can be really beneficial. And it's not to say that you, I think there's this misconception that you will lose performance rigor or opportunities because you're in a BA over a BFA. It just means you're taking a different percentage of gen ed and lecture courses to performance courses. So I actually, would do you want to speak to that? The idea of like, how are you enjoying a BA program versus a BFA program? Yeah, actually, that is something that I thought about a lot, um, especially because UCI has um, a rather uh, well-received BFA program that I was seriously considering at first. But uh, I decided not to go down that route uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them, and this is probably one of the main reasons, being that it would require me to put in an extra year as a transfer student that it, it would take three years instead of two in order to graduate and as far as like finance goes and as far as just like where i feel that i am personally in my life not just in my career but in my 
personal life and like where and I'm starting to ask myself questions of like where do I want to go like what do I want to do outside of my career where do I want to be and I'm finding that the answer is not here um and so put and I don't I don't mean that to sound like underhanded or anything but it's just I feel that I'm being called somewhere else and so for me financially and also time-wise I don't feel it necessary to do an extra year here, especially since the course difference isn't super different. It's a little bit more streamlined, but I'm also finding that that more general education is going to open more doors for me personally in the future. Because like I said, I'm interested in doing costumes as well, or as like a, as a fallback or side, side job. Um, I also enjoyed stage managing and if the opportunity came to do it somewhere where I could get a more beneficial experience doing so, then I would absolutely take it. And I find that doing a BFA program for acting only might limit those options for me when I, when someone who only wants to do that, it would be perfect for them. But for me, when I'm still interested in, in enjoying the, the experience of getting it all, I want to have that more general experience. Uh, so I think it's for me taking the BA instead of the BFA is not only saving me time and money, but also giving me a, a few more options. And I'm still yeah, performing. I, I'm still doing, I'm still taking the classes and being on stage. So right now I feel like I'm getting the best of both worlds where I am. It keeps going back to it's not, it's not the degree. It's what you do with the information. It's how you apply yourself. It's not where you go to school, it's how you go to school. Like it, it really is. It, I, I love this, Adam. I knew when I got into this call, I would be very excited and happy to hear your updates. And that is confirmed. We'll start, uh, start on our sort of wrapping up. And, and I ask everyone this question too, because I think it's, it's a great reflective question because for so many in the creative arts, the college application process can be really fraught. It can be really scary. Uh, there's a lot of insecurity. You're dealing with rejection. You're dealing with so many unknown variables. And we're trying to find security in, in a lane that maybe isn't going to give you security. But that being said, as is always the case, hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what's the one thing you wish you had understood about the college application process before you started? So what what would you tell that 17 or 18-year-old Adam that 20-year-old Adam knows now? I would say to 17-year-old Adam, whatever you want to happen does not need to happen today or yesterday even. Uh, (laughs) Because I know that when I was at that age, I was like, hasn't happened yet? Why not? And I'm not a Broadway star and I'm 17 and a half. What's happened? And I need to remind myself that life is life. Yes, life is short, but life is also long. And I'm like, you can find success at any point. If it doesn't happen when you're 20, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen when you're 21 or even 30 or 40. And also kind of the past few years, I've like redefined what my idea of success is because success isn't being famous or having your name above the title. Like it's to me, like it's having work in any capacity. Like I would rather, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people in the profession that I've met over the last year and just in general in college and professors saying this and stuff just as long as you're doing anything like that that's a good place to be yep and i think if i if i had that information when i was 17 it would have saved me a lot of stress and a lot of time and a lot of money 
because college applications themselves are expensive also and they're time consuming and they're stressful. And I realize now that like a lot of the worry that I put myself through trying to get to this place that didn't end up happening really wasn't necessary for me because where I am right now is a good place to be in terms of success where I'm not only learning at learning while saving money and performing while learning while saving money. But <laughs> it sounds about as as ideal as I could imagine. Yeah. It's exactly where I wanted to be just in a different place. And I'd still get in those opportunities in this place. And that's that is the managing of, of expectations and allowing for the pathway to unveil itself. And it really is. I love this idea of like, it's actually just about the next right step. If you get all rejections, what's the next right step? What are you going to do? Because that is resilience. That is perseverance. Right. If I had gotten into another program and been across the country somewhere, then I would have missed out on this opportunity to be playing one of my dream roles with a a wonderful cast and director and make that connection here. And And conversely, what's sort of interesting is had you got into one of those schools and you had gone you would have then had to make those next right decisions, which would have been different than what you are, where you're at right now. And again, it's, uh, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of debt, but it's not like debt is also like life ending. It is it is ultimately just about continually taking the next right step for you. And again, I love that the universe just sort of like nudged you exactly where you needed to go. I mean, you it set you up beautifully. Yes, in this moment, I feel exactly that. And you're right. It's not, like you said, it's not or, it's and. If I had ended up somewhere else, I might be in the exact same place that I am now making those decisions. But that's just not what happened. And so where I am now, as long as I have, like, a, in a truthful evaluation, like, it's still a fine place to be, no matter where you end up in the best program, in the worst program. It's just how you handle it. And that's what makes it good. Yeah. Oh, Adam. I just, I I can't. I'm so, so freaking proud of you. And I'm so grateful that you could put words to your experience. I know you're still living it in real time. Like you're, you've got a show tonight, you know, like. (laughs) That I will be at, and I'm yeah, very excited to come I'm to come so see it. Excited for you to come see this one. Um, because like special fun fact, the first show I did at OSHA that I directed, uh, which was your sophomore year, yes. was the Drowsy Chaperone because it's maybe my favorite musical on the planet. I I love this musical so much. It's like a musical theater lover's dream. Like it's just so great, and. Adam, you were you were in the ensemble and you were the understudy for Man and Chair. Yes. And this is to speak to Adam's like specialness. <laughs> you know, in high school, when we say someone's an understudy, it's often a, a great educational chance to to give another student an opportunity to learn something. And it's it's just a high win for a lot of people. It gives us coverage, it gives us insurance. You know, should someone get sick, especially today, we weren't we weren't thinking about COVID way back when, right. but uh, it's it's a wonderful opportunity. So seize it and for someone who was a professional understudy. It's it's great, but often y- you never know what to necessarily expect in terms of what someone would bring to that sort of opportunity. And Adam, I will never in in my educational experience, I don't think I will ever forget the run through where you 
stepped in because Preston had uh, sweet Preston Harris, who we love, and you guys worked so beautifully together. Uh, but he had to miss a rehearsal, and it was a run-through. I think it was one of our first run-throughs. And we did not rehearse. <laughs> there, We did not have any put-ins. And you commanded that rehearsal. You were word-for-word word verbatim memorized. <laughs> you made choices that were your own. And as a sophomore in high school, you made the most of that of that opportunity. I remember just like my socks were knocked off. I couldn't believe the the amount of work and dedication. And again, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, th- that's tribe. That's that's someone who loves this truly and deeply. And and, you know, and I've I've known that ever since that moment, because I've seen that in in many different iterations. But it was that first preview that I saw to the depth of how much you love this art form was in that rehearsal. And the idea of like, this is my this is my moment and I'm going to make the most of it. And it 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 still has a lasting impact on me. And I'm sure many of the people who are in that room that day. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think and I hope you'll see a lot of that tonight with the added growth of a couple of years of training. And I, I honestly I that experience that I had in high school is what got me right now where I am playing the role today. And I just think in myself too, I I love this show so much. Also, it is by theater lovers for theater lovers. And I have my own record collection of obscure musical theater albums from the fifties to seventies. And um a lot even in the cast I've been now everyone's like, wow, you're you're just like him. <laughs> Which I, it's just so funny to hear because you know, every time someone mentions a musical obscure or not, I'm like, oh, blah 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 blah. Here's all I know about it. And I'm like, whoa, like slow down. Um <laughs> But um, it was a great learning opportunity. It was so nice that my parents got to see that one too. But yes, that uh, that was something that I wanted to speak to also with my current college experience um, that I think is important. And it, it ties all back to that and like getting the opportunity to do that at the growth part of it. Because I feel like where I was then and where I am now, I, I think you'll be able to see and like feel the difference. And yeah. that's a testament to my current education now, even though it hasn't all been you know, riding high, that growth that I recognize in myself, like you, you learn where to recognize like where your assets are. And I think even this last year, like, I don't think over the summer I would have been able to play man in chair and landing. And I don't think I would have maybe even gotten cast as it, but my first quarter at ECI, I met one of my teachers. It's one of those teachers that I think about that I say, this teacher is going to change my life. And that's how I thought in high school with the Mr. Barnett. That's how I feel with my current musical theater workshop teacher. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that my college journey didn't go the exact way I wanted it to at the time. Also, because coming out of high school, I, I don't think I had a proper gauge on my, on my headspace, on my, my self, my self image. And so I, I let that get ahead of the work. This mm. talent isn't just talent. It, it, it's work. And I think that this year, being where I am, has shown me that. And I think this is really the first time where I have a proper idea of what that work is. I think in high school, what happened with Drowsy Chaperone to me was, was luck. It was, it was work, but in a different capacity. It was, it was, sure. It was different. And now that I'm an adult and that I can, you know, and now that I can like recognize what it, I can actually say, this is the thing that I'm going for. That's what I've learned. And so I don't look back and think, 
oh, why didn't I get into that college? They should. I don't. I don't at all. I look back and I go, yeah, that makes sense. I wouldn't have. I, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have called me back either. But but the work that I've done between then and now, something clicked. And now I feel like I can say I earned this because I've done that work that they're looking for. And I can bring that anywhere. Continuing to move forward. You're, it, that, is, that is the job. Yeah. And it's, it is that little bit of self-inquiry, self-inventory, and then moving that back out. It goes back to the artist cycle of like, fill the well with inspiration, make something, put it out into the world, rinse, repeat. Like it's, and you're, you're doing it. Oh, I can't wait for tonight. This I'm be so excited. I think you'll appreciate this story. Um, the moment that I felt the well was full, um, as far as this summer, when, when I was seven, we went to New York and I saw Mary Poppins. That was my first Broadway show. And that is the reason that I started doing theater. It's, it's not my favorite show by any means, but it is like, I saw Step in Time and like I saw the show and it was, and I was so enamored. It was so magical. And I remember the first thing I said, to, well, I don't remember it. This is what was told to me because I was seven. So my mom was like, she said, the first thing I said when we got out of the theater, I said, mommy, I wanted to tap like Bert. So I started tap dancing in 07 and I was a dancer. I was like a dancer dancer um, for like three or four years. Like I did, I've com- competed and I was good too. You'd never know how, but uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I started dancing again and I remember how much I enjoyed it, but like that's the hard part. But anyway, so I started dancing and I started doing theater because I started in elementary school, like doing a little classroom musicals. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And there's a voice somewhere in there. Um, and so then I started doing theater. Um, and I never went back to Mary Poppins. I never listened to it. I never watched it. But I, I will always remember a step in time. It's just one of my favorite numbers ever. And especially when one of my first tap recitals was we did step in time. And that was just us. And it was nine or eight. So it was it was time ago fast forward to last year and we're i'm in london and i went with dar i don't know if you know daria she went to ocean so we went to london together it was just the two of us it's a great it was so much fun we saw a bunch of shows together and there was a revival uh, it was a replica production revival of mary poppins at the prince edward theater which is where it originated in 2005 and it was with liz robertson who's alan j Lerner's wife um, and Petula Clark was the bird lady. And we hadn't planned on, see- we had only planned on seeing five shows. We ended up seeing 10. Slippery slope, slippery slope. Cause every morning I'm like, take it to your ass right outside and let's do square. Sure. Why not? Why not? Um, so one of the nights I was like, you know what? Why don't we go see Mary Poppins? Like, I feel like we're in London. It's Mary Poppins. Like, let's just go see it. I, I still had nostalgia for it. So we're watching it. It was very, love it was a very it's very Poppins. it's a good sh- it's a good production and it's, it's yeah. gorgeous set. i mean the cast was awesome Petula clark are you kidding me she's 89 and she's like i was so enamored by her and then we get and i i was just enjoying it like anybody would the first beats of step in time happen and just tears like i just couldn't control i was just a mess from that point to the rest of the show because it's somewhere in the middle of act two and for the rest of the show I was just sobbing so hard and like the show gets out. I, I, I'm like getting, I'm getting emotional talking about it right now. Cause it's just such a person. And Daria was just like, 
like, okay, I get crying at the show, but like step in time. I was just like, no, you don't understand. Like that, that is the song that started all of this for me. And so not having revisited the show and then 13 years later, after seeing this particular production, like seeing it in London, like where it's meant to be seen. And I was like, and seeing this number again for the first time after not having revisited since it, since this is the reason that I do what I do. Uh, It it was like, that was, I was like, the well is full. Like, I was just like, this is, this is the reminder that I need. It was such a, it was so sharp and intense and, so emotional like i was just a mess for the rest of the night (laughs) but it's it's tapping into that um that childlike wonder which i think is is the core of why we do what we do and what we're trying to inspire all of like the hard hard damage that was done from the past six months that i was working through was like gone in that moment because in that moment like Sure, I was on vacation already for like a week or so and having a good time. But like, that was the first moment, probably the only moment that I was like, I was seven years old sitting in that seat. And I was just like, okay, like I, I, that was when it clicked for me. And I was just like, I remember, like, not only was I dealing with the nostalgia of that first time, that first time that we, like, I'm so grateful that I remember what the spark was for me that like started it. And so to like, not only relive that, which is like, in the circumstance that it happened during. Yeah, that was, that was it for me. <laughs> I, I love that. I love it. Cause again, that is so regenerative and it will repeat itself. It won't happen every time you sit down into a theater, but when, you, when those moments happen, uh, I, I don't know. I would, I would even equate that to like synchronicity or like deja vu. Those, those moments where you feel like you're you're back in line with yourself. And I think as artists, it's really vital to continually, because we live in such a topsy-turvy industry and such a topsy-turvy uh, sometimes experience, it is ultimately our job, not the industry's job, to right the ship. And that sounds like you did it beautifully. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Poppins. Yes. And it, it it appears, and isn't that so funny? Like, it's so uh, ephemeral theater, so that, you know, because it's it's it mostly lives in our memories outside of, you know, some slime tutorials on YouTube. It's, uh, it, it doesn't, you don't get a, a hard copy of it. You just have these fleeting memories. And so when those line up with a present moment experience, ooh, that's, that's really special. It is. It is Suzuki, just... Um, I, I, yeah, and that, I mean, that's just, I just submit to theater too. Like, I, even, I mean, not every show is like going to be a lot. Like, there are some shows that I'm just like, oh my God. But, <laughs> but like, just make <laughs> sure. But just, by, just, just make sure you do the 10 block rule. You've got to, you've got to hold on to the 10 block rule, what especially is- in New York. If you go see something that you're like, well, that was interesting, you shut your mouth. And you walk ten blocks one in one direction. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get out of earshot if you gotta. If you need to unpack a ugh, experience, ten blocks. I love that. But no, I'm twenty to be safe. <laughs> but oh, that's to say that, like, I will never, ever, ever walk out of a theater if I'm not enjoying what I'm seeing. Um, because it's not just about that. It's really easy to look at theater and just get big pictures. 
but like I, I, and I found that in my love of dramaturgy and of theater history, like I can tend to get really critical of the works that I'm seeing. Uh, sure. Which is both a good and bad thing because I think like there was some, especially this summer, I was like, I need to just enjoy this show. I'm not, I don't want to think about it. Um, and like, I have to remind myself of that because otherwise I'll like pull it apart. I won't like rip it apart, but I'll just have to be like analysis, analysis and like go, go crazy. And like, sometimes you need to just remind yourself to enjoy something. But like, even that said, like, no matter how much I like or dislike a work, like the, just the, the value of being in a live theater space, even three years ago, but especially now is so important and there's just nothing like that and it made me not only respect like get a further appreciation for sure professional like commercial theater but just for community theaters for college theater for what i've been right now i'm in a university theater production and it's like one of the most rewarding productions i've ever been a part of because i'm now going in with that insight of like the value this space is so sacred that even if like that connection. But I think you understand what I'm saying is that like, no matter what you go into, like no matter how hard you judge it, like I, I have to remind myself, I want everybody to remind themselves of just like how important that live connection is because it's really rare. It really is super, super rare. And all the more in this current day and age, in this modern age where we are, you know, we're absolutely connected to our phones and we're in community in digital forms, but not in actually coming together that that part of the art form man it is it's hallowed ground it's really it is sacred ground and knowing that people have been doing this for hundreds thousands of years like that there's a tradition with it and i know you're someone who does you play with both the right and left side of your brain as you approach theater uh but i think it's because of that balance that you can then also show up to it with that third sense, that that spiritual sense, that sense of like, this is special. I don't always know why. I don't always know how, but it's really deeply special. And to be able to honor that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so thrilled. And I can't wait to see your performance tonight. I'm sure I will have a like Mary Poppins, <laughs> like step in time uh, tier because I have my own connection to the first time I saw that show and and my experiences with it ever since. So I'm very excited to add to that my own theater tradition seeing your your production tonight. But Adam, you always had and you still possess this incredible spirit of curiosity, friendliness and insight. And I'm so grateful to know you and to continue to see you strive and reach for your goals and your dreams and to do it without getting hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt so rock on to that thank you thank you so much um this is so much fun it was so nice to connect with you and chat and i'm so grateful that you brought me on to here because i don't think i even fully recognize the value of my journey um all the time and so to have it pointed out to me puts things into a different perspective and i'm glad that um i can share it with people and hopefully you know (laughs) Yeah. And give people insight of like, here's here's another way to do it. And again, your path isn't going to work for everyone, but it could work for a lot of people. And it's just great to to hear it. Um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you or um, wants to see work you're doing, do you have any uh, socials or anything you want to share 
with any listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm always accessible through Instagram, which is hey y'all, it's Adam, H-E-Y-Y-A-L-L-I-T-S-A-D-A-M. Hey y'all, it's Adam. Yeah. I love I love that <laughs> handle. Um, we'll be sure to put that link in the podcast episode. Uh, thank you, Adam. Thank you for spending your time here today. And that's another interview episode of the Creative College Journey podcast. We hope this episode with Adam Castrione was beneficial to you. And we want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. If you are in need of some encouragement, guidance, and inspiration for your college journey and would like to work with me, don't hesitate to reach out to our website, www.creativecollegejourney.com, to schedule a free, no-obligation, one-hour consultation to find out the many ways the Creative College Journey can help you on your path. You can also find me on Instagram at Scott Barnhart. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find us. And be sure to come back in the coming weeks for more discussions about creative college admissions, lowering the temperature on the process, and the many industry pathways and transferable skills that a creative education and life can offer. Don't forget, it's not where you go to school, but how you go to school that counts. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Adam.